is the Down East EM Podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for COVID Personal Protective Equipment, COVID PPE, talking about how to keep ourselves safe during the care of patients with confirmed or suspected COVID-19. So to start, we need to figure out and talk about the different types of precautions that people need to take for different types of pathogens. And generally, there are kind of four. There's contact, special contact, droplet, and airborne. Contact is kind of self-explanatory. When you touch this pathogen, you can get it onto your person and then become infected by it. The two most common or most famous of these would be MRSA and shingles. Touching a shingles lesion can lead to transmission of the disease. Protecting ourselves, therefore, requires a barrier of some nature between us and the pathogenic skin or surface. So wearing gloves and gowns generally protects people from contact. Then there's special contact, and that's just kind of contact plus. The poster boy for this is C. difficile. And really what this is is diseases that are a little bit stronger, a little bit more hardy, and you think about these spore-forming organisms like C. diff. So again, you're going to wear your gowns and your gloves when you're in the patient room. Then you have to be careful about cleaning and sanitizing your equipment afterward because these little buggers and spores can last. So you got to use soap and water on your hands. you got to use bleach wipe on your stethoscope, etc. The next one up, and by the way, as we go through these, each tier up includes the elements of the last tier. So now we're going to talk about droplet. Droplet is the idea that these pathogens are exhaled or spread often from the respiratory tree in small water particles that kind of cascade out. I think of it like a sprinkler. They shower out of the patient's mouth or nose when they cough, sneeze, or breathe, and they gradually settle by gravity on the surface around the person, generally thought to be about six feet distance. So for droplet, the again, poster boy here is influenza. We know this disease well. Since we're one step up from contact, we are going to be wearing again our gown and our gloves. But we had to have to go a little step higher here. We're going to wear face shields or goggles to protect our eyes from droplets entering through our eyes. And we have to wear a surgical mask to prevent us from inhaling these droplets that are again on the surface around the patient and in the air when they cough, sneeze, or breathe. The highest level of precaution is airborne. Now, the airborne precaution is the the disease that I think of here is tuberculosis. Airborne is one step higher than droplet, and these pathogens can essentially survive in the air past just being within a water droplet that's breathed out or coughed out or sneezed out from a person. They can travel a much larger distance in the air. They're not gravity dependent like droplet, which is about six feet, but can travel a fair distance and still maintain their pathogenicity. So because that, the type of mask that we're going to wear is different. We're still going to wear our gown, our gloves, and some type of eye protection, but our mask actually has to filter out anything that could be in the air around us. So we're going to be wearing an N95 mask here, which is a circumferential seal around our nose and our mouth and filters all of these particles. So with that in mind, we have to ask ourselves, how is COVID-19 spread? A very simple question with a surprisingly difficult answer. So straight from the mouth of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, we find this, quote, mode of transmission. Early reports suggest person-to-person transmission most commonly happens during close exposure to a 
person infected with COVID-19, primarily through respiratory droplets produced when the infected person coughs or sneezes. Droplets can land in the mouths, nose, or eyes of people who are nearby or possibly be inhaled into the lungs of those within close proximity. The contribution of small respiratory particles, sometimes called aerosols or droplet nuclei, to close proximity transmission is currently uncertain. However, airborne transmission from person to person over long distances is unlikely. So it leads off by saying this fits a droplet-based transmission. But as you notice, it doesn't definitively state here that airborne transmission does not happen. It states that it's very unlikely. So let's move on a little bit and see who else has weighed in on this. Let's hear from the World Health Organization. They say, quote, maintain at least a one meter or three foot distance between yourself and anyone who's coughing or sneezing. Why? When someone coughs or sneezes, they spray liquid droplets from their nose or mouth, which may contain the virus. If you are too close, you can breathe in the droplets, including the COVID-19 virus from the person coughing, if the person coughing has the disease. People can catch COVID-19 from others who have the virus. The disease can spread from person to person through small droplets from the nose or mouth which are spread when a person with COVID-19 coughs or exhales. These droplets land on objects and surfaces around the person. Other people then catch COVID-19 by touching these objects or surfaces, then touching their eyes, nose, or mouth. People can also catch COVID-19 if they breathe in droplets from the person with COVID-19 who coughs out or exhales the droplets. So the who here is stating more of the pathogenicity of droplet-based disease. But again, there's nothing definitive in these words here that say this is not airborne. So with that in mind, how can we protect ourselves and our staff? The first most obvious step that we cannot overlook, step one, is to place a surgical mask on the patient. If we have a confirmed or suspected COVID patient, their mouth, their nose, that is the means by which these virons are getting into the air around us. Putting a filter directly in front of that in the means of a surgical mask greatly, greatly reduces the amount of pathogen that they're able to get into the environment. Is it perfect? Probably not, but it is a huge reduction and an easy first step. Moving forward, how do we protect ourselves and our workers? The first thing we need to recognize is that this is a top-down approach. You need strong leadership in this time. We need leaders that are going to follow the CDC and other international recommendations to lead by example and to cater these national and international recommendations to your specific hospital and healthcare setting. Strong leadership is key here. So let's get into the more specifics about how we're going to protect our individual person when treating or caring for a patient who's high risk or confirmed COVID. The first thing we need to do here is answer the question, what is droplet precautions exactly? There are four elements that go into droplet. The first of these for droplet precautions is our gown. Now there are several types of gowns out there. Mostly we're going to be talking about isolation gowns. Surgical gowns have a appropriate level of protection in terms of its water permeability, etc., along the chest, the front of the legs, and the sleeves. The isolation gown has that all over. The front, the back, the sides, the sleeves, etc., have a specific level of water resistance that is necessary to be an isolation gown. 
It is important to note that the cuffs, which are often elastic and fabric, are not meeting that requirement and should be covered. The next is the glove. And a simple nitrile non-sterile glove, your standard issue hospital glove, is adequate here. The third of the four is eye protection. And really what we need is a barrier between our eyes and the patient. We're trying to protect any of these droplets or particles from coming from the atmosphere, coming from a cough, a sneeze from the patient, and landing in our eyes. So a face shield that comes top down, a face shield attached to a mask, goggles, or appropriate wraparound safety glasses will work in this regard. And the fourth and final level of protection is the mask, something that covers our mouth and our nose and protects us as we breathe in. Now for droplet precautions, the surgical mask is adequate. We're going to talk in a second about COVID itself and that lack of clarity, but recognize that for droplet-based precautions, which is what the CDC is suggesting is the most common and likely transmission basis for COVID, the surgical mask is adequate coverage. Now again, droplet or airborne, that is an undetermined element of COVID currently. As we saw from the CDC and the WHO, we recognize that droplet-based transmission is the most likely and most common means of transmission here. When we look at disease processes that are similar to COVID-19, such as the SARS coronavirus, we believe that also to be predominantly transmitted by droplets, but concern remains about aerosolization under certain conditions. That said, we do not have confirmation that it is not airborne. There are some studies out there that talk on this matter. There's an annals study of 85 healthcare workers who were wearing surgical or N95 masks and they were performing aerosolizing procedures on patients and they noticed no transmission. That will be in the show notes. There's also a pre-publication, pre-press paper out of Nebraska looking at many patients with COVID and testing the surfaces around them, a distance from them, and also sampling the air in many different areas, including outside the room. That study found PCR positive tests very commonly across the board. They did not, however, find any pathogenicity to the samples that were a distance greater than droplet. So interpretation of that data is going to be variable by person and by hospital system. What we're breaking down here is the type of mask you're going to be using. Again, the surgical mask versus the N95. For droplet-based disease, we can use a surgical mask. As we mentioned in that Annals article, we're recognizing that at the least aerosolizing events are going to increase the number of virons in the room and possibly increase the distance that they can travel. So what are aerosolizing events? That is certainly coughing and sneezing. It is nebulization treatments such as albuterol, thought possibly to be related to positive pressure ventilation, certainly high flow nasal cannula, right, which is not a closed system, and any positive pressure ventilation such as BiPAP or CPAP where there's a very poor seal and the mask seal is leaking is going to be causing aerosolization. And then intubation and or, you know, extubation. These are our aerosolizing events. So generally speaking, if someone or a hospital system is using droplet precautions, they're using a surgical mask. But we're recognizing that these aerosolizing events such as nebulized treatments, intubation, etc., 
is going to significantly increase the number of pathogens and the likely transmission in that regard. And often people are recommending the N95 mask in those circumstances if they're not already using N95 ubiquitously because they are concerned about airborne transmission. And then finally, there's the PAPR. PAPR stands for Powered Air Purifying Respirator. It is this device where you have the hooded mask and face shield with air being pushed outward. It is kind of the opposite of the negative pressure room. The negative pressure room sucks all the pathogens in and away from the environment. This PAPR pushes air away from you so that you're not inhaling any of these pathogens. And this is absolutely going to meet airborne precaution requirements. Okay, so before we do our summary, let's talk briefly about intubating the COVID patient. This, of course, is going to be a high transmission procedure. This is a high-risk procedure for healthcare employees, and it's happening in droves in COVID patients. So how should we protect ourselves? Well, first, we want to point out this three steps to intubate safely with suspected COVID infographic, which goes over some of the basic things about preventing spread, patient safety, and limiting contamination. What we're talking about here is minimizing things like high-flow nasal cannula, nebulizations, and things that are going to aerosolize. We want to keep a closed loop using supraglottic devices and things of that nature to pre-oxygenate if we need to. Minimizing the number of people in the room and using the highest qualified person. And optimizing our chances for success on first pass by processes such as using video laryngoscopy. The other thing that we want to point out is a pre-oxygenation video that has been published by MCRIT. Now, in this video, they talk about using a BiPAP system with a HEPA filter to create essentially a closed loop. Let's remember, though, that a leaking mask seal for BiPAP could be an aerosolizing event. But if you create a good mask seal in these patients and use a HEPA filter, you are able to create a completely closed unit pre-oxygenation system and the link to that video from MCRIP will be available in the show notes. So in wrapping up, we talked about the different types of transmissions and precautions, going from contact, special contact, droplet, to airborne. We read the exact words from the CDC and World Health Organization about the transmission of COVID-19, which points very strongly to a droplet-based transmission, but does not definitively exclude the possibility of airborne transmission. We talked about the first and very easy step of decreasing transmission by having the patient, the source, wear a surgical mask to decrease the amount of pathogen entering the, entering the environment. We talked about in these times of pandemics, the value of strong leadership and decision-making. And we went over the four elements of droplet and airborne precaution, starting with the isolation gown, talking about the nitrile and non sterile glove as an adequate barrier, talking about eye protection in various forms from face shields to goggles, and how droplet is a surgical mask-based system, whereas airborne is an N95 one. Again, what you do and how you execute it is going to depend on your leadership, is going to depend on the recommendations at that time. This is an ever-evolving pandemic. We need to keep ourselves abreast of the current information and we need to cater that information to what our hospital and healthcare system is able to do at that time to best provide for our patients, but also our healthcare employees. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this, and please stay safe. That's all for the Down ECM podcast for now. 
If you like what you hear, please hop over to iTunes, throw us some stars, give us a review. It really, really helps us. Also, we would love to hear your ideas about how we can make the podcast better, any topics you like to cover, anything that you think would help your listening experience. You can check out more of what we have to offer at our blog, downeastem.org, and you can follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at downeastem. Until next time.